I dream that one day mental illness will be met with the same empathy as a physical illness. That people won't look down on you when they know you live with a mental illness and fight battles in your mind daily. This podcast is for those living with a mental illness, but also those who want to understand it. I wanted to create a space where mental health and illness conversation are normal and in turn expand that conversation to the rest of society in hopes of breaking the stigma. Our Secret Self, Living with a Mental Illness is about finding people you can relate to through shared experiences, finding a way out of isolation, getting some answers to your questions about mental health and mental illness, finding out some helpful information about things that might make you feel better, and having a place to talk freely without feeling judged. Every other week, we're going to be talking about mental illness matters with others who live with a mental illness. To those in the mental health profession, we'll share inspirational stories and quotes, as well as discuss mental illness topics. My name is Elise Solonar, and I am so, so happy that you decided to join me today. So let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Our Secret Self. I wanted to touch on how COVID really impacted my mental health, and I know it's impacted a lot of others out there as well. I know I've heard of some studies where it sounds like mental illness and depression rates have increased, but unfortunately, suicides have increased as well during this pandemic, and I think a lot of it comes down to all of us just feeling so isolated and cut off from everything during this time. Now, going back to the beginning of 2020, when everything really kind of hit the fan, when we weren't really sure what all was going on and lockdowns and whatever else were beginning and, you know, the mask mandates and whatever else, and a lot of people starting to work remotely. So at the time, if you listened to some earlier episodes, I was in Flint, Michigan, still in broadcast news at the time, and we had still been working at the station for a while, but by, I think, late February, early March is when they decided to send part of the weather team home. And if you hear that sound on the microphone, that's Biddy. You heard her being mentioned in an earlier podcast. She's, of course, right here on the desk with me. And she was a big help with me kind of coping with working remote and kind of the isolation during COVID. But it was it was still kind of really difficult. So we were sent home, part of the weather team, there were three of us, so two of, three, two of the three of us were sent home, I believe in late February, early March, to start working remotely. And what my schedule was, I was weekend meteorologist, and then I was a digital producer during the week. So during the week, I didn't normally have that much interaction with people to begin with. Um, yeah, I was sitting in the newsroom, but it wasn't like I was really talking with a whole lot of people and interacting as a part of my job. However, working as a weekend meteorologist, normally I'd be talking with and interacting with reporters and my co-anchor and my producers and director. And while I was still kind of interacting with them remotely, you know, via technology, whatever, uh, cameras, earpieces, whatever else, it was really weird because they weren't there. I was completely by myself. I just felt like I was stranded on this island, more or less. And I really started noticing more symptoms of anxiety. And they've kind of stuck with me even to this day. They're not quite as bad, but they're still there. 
So I think I was one of the lucky ones. I, I didn't have to work remotely for a year or the two years. It was a couple months. I, I can't even begin to imagine how those of you who are living with a mental illness, and even those who aren't, how you've been able to cope with working remotely for the last year or two, because I know it was difficult for me just being all by myself, aside from Biddy. I only knew one neighbor, really, in my apartment complex, and she was a little older, so she was a little more hesitant about, you know, getting together and chit-chatting or anything like that. So I, I really didn't have much physical contact with people. I, since we didn't really know what was going on completely at the time, I was trying to limit how much I went to the grocery store, so every two weeks. And, you know, I wouldn't spend forever there. So even that limited contact was still, it was just, it wasn't enough. You know, we're, hu we're human and need that human contact. And just being isolated was such a difficult thing to really deal with. And I mentioned it wasn't as much of an issue during the week when I was acting as a digital producer, you know, doing stuff with social media and our website. That was okay because I normally didn't, you know, I was kind of a solitary worker uh, when I was in that capacity. But with weather and not being around other people, I noticed on weekends especially, I started to get panic attacks. Just the thought of not being able to be there in person with my co-anchor and my producers and reporters and anchors or my directors, it was, it was really something that almost sent my mind into tunnel vision. I just... It was such a weird feeling, but it was more or less a panic attack. I'd noticed I'd kind of start to hyperventilate, and it was something I never really experienced before. But I noticed it only happened on those certain days where I would normally, outside of COVID, have much more interaction with people. So it was definitely jarring, and I would love to know how you have all coped with working remotely. How long have you been working remotely? Definitely let me know on the Instagram page for Our Secret Self, and of course, feel free to join our private group on Facebook. I would love to continue these conversations with you there, but I, I feel like I don't have as great of a perspective on it just because I was only working from home for a few months. I believe I was remote from, again, the end of February to, I think, early July, so again, just a couple of months, and I noticed the impact on my mental health then I, I can't even begin to imagine for those who do live with a mental illness and have those feelings of isolation, how you've been able to work remotely for the last year or two. So again, if you've got any tips or tricks that you've kind of found to work for you, I would love to hear them and be able to share it with our community. Again, this whole podcast is to take things from our experiences and share it with others to maybe help us deal with living with a mental illness, maybe help symptoms improve or help us cope with certain symptoms. So again, I'd love to share any of that with our community. But going back to working remote and kind of just in the beginning stages of 2020 with everything kind of starting and people trying to figure out what's going on and everything, working remotely was very difficult for me just with those panic attacks and just the extra feeling of isolation. But it was so much more difficult because I was trying not to visit my family. And my closest family was three and a half hours away. And I remember one day we decided to do a Zoom call. And that was just 
so weird not being able to be with them in person. That was the first Zoom call we ever did as a family. And just that feeling of, okay, you know, I'm going to see them on the camera and be able to talk with them. But the fact that I, I feel like we have to do this because I can't go see them because I we don't know who's going to get sick and what was going on. Again, this is early 2020 when, you know, stuff was, I don't know, majorly chaotic. So it was... It was just such a weird feeling, too, just being disconnected from your family because they're ones that I would try to turn to more so when I was kind of dealing with things. I know my mom, I would kind of vent to a little bit more so about things and not being able to actually go visit them or have her come up and visit me in Michigan was was extremely difficult. And of course, not being able to go do things with friends was extremely difficult. We... I mentioned, you know, trying to look forward to different things to help me get through my depression, you know, living day to day, living week to week with just looking forward to different events, whether it was going to hang out with friends or maybe going to see a movie or going to the farmer's market or something. But when COVID hit, all of that stopped. We we really couldn't go out and see our friends and movie theaters shut down and farmer's markets and things like that. Different events weren't happening. So just the fact that we, again, had to isolate and put our entire lives on pause, more or less, except for work, if you're working remotely, was, it's just not we're not meant to be by ourselves and shut off from everybody else. With a mental illness, we already feel isolated in a way because we're dealing with this voice, this secret part of us that we're just trying to battle every day and then putting the actual isolation from other people. It just, I think, made our experience living with a mental illness so much more difficult. And again, that's why we were seeing reports and studies at the time that depression rates in in kids and teens had gone up and suicide rates were skyrocketing as well. Because again, we always deal with this piece of isolation to begin with because of our mental illness. And then we had this other giant piece of isolation away from the community, friends, and family that it was just an overload on our minds. Now, I do want to back up a second and say it, I know this whole thing with being isolated from family and friends was not something that only impacted those who live with a mental illness. I I don't want to kind of put down those who don't live with a mental illness and still had issues with the isolation either. That's, that's not the point of this message. It's just to say that those of us who already deal with this piece of isolation, it was just exponentially more difficult than what we're normally used to. And through all of this, I'd like to say that people were compassionate about what was going on and people's feelings during all of this. I think this was definitely a true test of society's compassion. And I want to say it more or less failed. I don't mean to throw people under the bus, but during all of this, I I know when I was having the panic attacks, I, I did mention it to my boss. I said, hey, you know, if there's any way that I could just come in on the weekends and social distance from people and whatever else, just so I'm at least in the building and interacting with people. Because on the weekends, we had less people to begin with. It was more of a skeleton crew. It was just a chance for me to 
be there with my co-anchor and my producers and my directors, you know, just be in the same building. I know that sounds kind of weird too, but it's just the, the whole thought process of you at least know someone's nearby, even if you're not in the same room with them or very close to them in proximity the entire time. It's just the fact that you knew you weren't in this little bubble. You weren't stuck in your apartment all the way back in the back of the complex and by yourself. So even just being able to go in on weekends would have been very beneficial. And at first, my boss kind of just said, well, you know, I was having some tech issues with the phone and, and her, the response was, well, we'll, you know, we'll make sure that you get a new phone instead of, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's let's work with you. We don't want you to have panic attacks. We don't want you to feel like this. We, we are okay with you coming in on the weekends. So I think it took another conversation for them to kind of finally budge. And I don't know if they were also kind of at the point also that they were just going to start letting a few people come back. But I was at least able to go back into work on the weekends, which that helped a lot as well. Just having a little bit more of that interaction with people was was fantastic. It was a, a lifesaver, and I mentioned it before how Abidi has been a lifesaver through all of this, but it was at least great to have her with me during all of this because then I wasn't completely alone. But it was certainly nice to be back and in interacting with other people, even if it was socially distant. It was just, yeah, nice to even be in the same room and be speaking to them in person and not via a camera on your phone and, and a headset and earphones and stuff, because I, I really couldn't see anybody either. The way my monitors were set up, there was no camera for me to see all of them, really. So that made it even more isolating because all I could do was hear them. And that was just, whoo, yeah, panic attacks and just this tunnel vision and, and headaches and kind of even a little bit of paranoia in the end. And what also didn't help at the time, you know, with movie theaters and, and different venues and other things shutting down, all of the gyms were shutting down. And I had used Pure Bar as kind of an outlet for my depression. And with that shut down, we were doing remote classes via video. That was great to at least be able to interact with them because it was through Zoom, so it was live. But even that was a really difficult period of time. Just not, you know, you can't go to the gym, you can't go to work. You had to limit going to the grocery store and things like that at the beginning of 2020. Obviously, things are much more improved and relaxed and we know a lot more about what's going on now but in the beginning it was just such I, it was just so isolating just to not just to put your whole life on hold you, you couldn't do anything and being in an apartment by myself in the back of my complex it was just it was ex extremely extremely difficult but I would love to continue this conversation on social media. Again, if you have some experiences that you want to share your story from dealing with isolation, be sure to let me know on the Instagram page for Our Secret Self Living with a Mental Illness. And please feel free to join our private Facebook group. It's a place where we can have honest conversations without judgment. We're all kind of in the same boat together. We understand what it's like to live with a mental illness. And I just wanted to create this safe spot, this safe community. So please join me and continue the conversations there.
I hope you enjoyed today's topic and found something helpful in the episode. If you liked the conversation from today, be sure to join us in the private Our Secret Self Living with a Mental Illness Facebook group to get involved in more mental health and illness-related conversations. If you think this podcast and Facebook group could help a friend or loved one, be sure to share this episode with them and invite them to the group. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And I look forward to having you join me next week. In the meantime, I want you to take a deep breath, give yourself grace, and believe in the possibility of tomorrow.